One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads. information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very bush of sand and dirt, you got bog they started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down top. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed, this is the trapping. Today podcast. I'm your host Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Brothers have baits, lures, books, DVDs, and everything you need to get started on the trap line. So check them out. We're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. You can find them at furharvesters.com. Look them up for agent information, pickup locations, auction schedules, and past auction results. Lots going on in the fur industry, and there's a lot of auctions that we need to pay attention to moving forward. All right, in tonight's episode, we're going to talk with Chris from Western North Carolina. This is part two of our conversation with Chris. He talks a lot about trapping beaver, trapping for animal damage control and uh, a bunch of other topics. I, I love talking with Chris. It's just great to have him on. And uh, let's get into the episode. So that was the start for me. And uh, that, yeah, that really got me hooked on beaver trap. And I don't, I'm sure you agree. I mean, you're, you're trapping them under the ice and stuff. Uh, I love to trap whatever I can trap, but there's something about beavers that I just love trapping them. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I like about them is, is, uh, the regulations and the seasons are, are just so much easier than every other species that we trap for here. So you Absolutely. Have a, a super long season and you can, you can do a lot of, of things to, uh, to catch them. So, and they're everywhere. And at least where, I, and it sounds like where you're at similar, they're, they're all over the place and people want you to trap them. And when you locate an active beaver lodge, and you see sign, you know they're not far. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And uh, another thing is, like, there's there's a lot of people in my life, either through through my job or family members or just friends that I have or friends from back home that, uh, you know, they, they see beaver as these cute, cuddly things that, you know, build amazing stuff, which is true. But I think a really good... Uh, 
selling point for trapping, especially with beaver, is that they're they're a very sustainable resource. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, at least here, and it sounds like where you are, you know, you can you can feel like you trapped everyone in the whole county, and then you're going to hear about ten more places that have whole new beaver colonies. Yeah. Well, nobody else is trapping for him, obviously. <laughs> no. No, I mean, it's it's become like the the local joke. You know, we've got a we've got a general store here that's like looks like it's straight out of the 30s and you can buy 330s there, you can buy groceries there, you can buy guns, you can buy work boots, you can buy anything in between and uh it's like somebody's always saying to me, oh, what are you doing, out trapping beavers? Because nobody else is doing it. <laughs> yeah. So you went from, you're still trapping beavers, I take it. Yep. I'm, uh, I, you know, I got, once again, like this year has been significantly better as far as knowing people because uh, my fiance and I, it's a real small town, close-knit community, and uh People have actually gotten to know us and trust us, even over Yankees, you know. <laughs> and uh, and because of that, I've had people give me opportunities. Uh, I had a guy, and I'll keep it short and sweet because this one was pretty easy, but I had a guy that asked me if I could trap his. He's got a farm that he leases, and he raises beef cattle on it. And... He said, you've got to see the damage that these beavers are doing. It's unreal. And, you know, I thought for sure he might have been exaggerating, but, I mean, these these beavers were cutting down trees that were two feet around. And uh, he said, I don't even care that they've made a dam. This is a floodplain anyway. I'm not too worried about it. The cows don't mind it. He said, but they've cut so many trees that they haven't knocked down. I'm afraid that they're going to fall on my calves and stuff like that. And... Based on the dams and the damage that was there, I expected there to be, you know, no less than 10 beaver. And uh, had 330s in for a couple days, and they wouldn't go near them either. Hmm. I thought, you know what? Heck with it. You know, I'm just going to try to revisit snaring and see what happens. And I snared the mating pair uh I snared one one night and snared the second one the next night in the same set. Both of them were 60-plus pounds. And then uh, they had one offspring, and I, I did catch him in the 330. And they had they had six dams built on that creek, plus the two that they had built before that he had tore out with a backhoe. And uh, it was just the three of them. And that was a month ago, and um, he's had no problem since. So... It just goes to show you that sometimes it's hard to judge how many are there based on the work that they've done because those things are they're machines, you know. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, I remember two years ago I trapped a lodge. It was it was a really big house, and the guy had been having problems for years, and it hadn't been trapped in a long time. And um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. I ended up catching we uh, we caught ten beavers out of that one house. So wow. this year I went to a, a place several miles away and the house was the same exact size. Dam flowage was pretty, pretty much the same size. And I thought, well, for sure I've got at least eight or, eight or nine yep. beavers here, you know? 
and I trapped that for uh, for a week straight, and I caught. I think uh, it was. I think there were four in there. Yeah, isn't it amazing? It's like, I guess it just depends on the tenacity of the individual beaver more than it does the amount that they have there. You know. I suppose. I mean, they 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 certainly are hard workers. I know that. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, beaver houses or lodges because. Um, up until this property I'm on now, I had never seen one. Every place I've ever trapped beaver, private and public land, uh, they've always just lived in bank dens. Really? Huh. And it's it can be hard to set the entrances for them, which I've I've caught three or four setting the entrances, but usually the entrances are obviously underwater because that's their whole thing is they make an underwater entrance that leads to a dry den, so us land creatures can't get in there. Um, but the, the only way I've been able to successfully find entrances, especially if the water gets murky for me walking around in it and stuff coming up the bottom is, uh, you know, just, I walk around with my, my chest facing the bank and I just feel around with my foot for holes. Sure. And then if I feel a hole that I can get my foot in, I'll take like a long stick and, kind of drive it in there to see how far it is and but um that being said i'm on a property now that has uh two lodges and when i first saw it it reminded me of that picture that you have for the trapping podcast yeah where you're like kneel down for watching i mean i i thought it was like something out of a national geographic i thought it was like the craziest thing ever because I've, I've never seen them here wow that's amazing I've never seen them here, and uh, we see here we have most of the the beaver dams have lodges on them. The places where we have bank beavers, just the the larger river systems for the most part. And that well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the connection I wasn't making. Uh, I thought it was so crazy. I called the fur bear biologist the other week and told her about, it. <laughs> and. She's like, so, you know, what are you going on about now? And I've never talked to this lady in my life. She's like, I'm like, yeah, there's lodges out at this place I'm trapping. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think they even had lodges out here. <laughs> and she goes, okay, well, what are you trapping? I said, well, it's a series of like 10 ponds over the course of a mile track of land. And she said, okay, well, what were you trapping when uh, they all had bank dens? I said, it was all rivers, and she said, "Well, yeah, that's why they're not going to build a lodge in the middle of a river." Right? They they can't keep a dam there. Yeah, I would have never thought about that. Yeah, but you'll see the feed pile. I mean, it, I assume. Oh yeah. You, I assume you guys get get feed piles. To, you know, our our feed piles are probably a little bigger because winter's a lot longer here. But um, yep. that's a really good indicator uh, of, of beaver presence. Yeah, I've actually uh, used that to my advantage where. Um, instead of making like a traditional, actually caster mound set, I found their, their feed piles and tore the feed piles up and strewn it all across the bank. And then just, you know, I, but I made sure to find like a slide that they were coming in and out on that was like pretty worn down. And I tear the feed pile up and strew it around the bank and then set a halfway submerge 330 at that slide and then maybe rub some caster in like a random spot in that area so you know 
it's hard to think like an animal that you're not. But you're my right. thinking, my thinking was that you know, well, he's going to come out of there and see that another beaver's gotten in his feed pile, and he's going to get ticked off about it and go check it out. And I've I've caught one or two that way. Now, when you get later in the winter, and and you have um, when they when they're drawing off that feed pile, typically that's when there's ice cover. Uh, a really good set is you can put a 330 ray on the outside edge of the feed pile and the beavers will circle that pile um, to go in and grab food off of it and and usually they have a pretty good run that's worn down because they're moving along the bottom right around the right. the outer edge of the pile oh okay so it's almost like a semicircle or something around yeah, that exactly, edge yeah oh that's cool so you just kind of feel like you said like you did with the with the bank den you can take a stick and you can feel for that depression and once you get it you just have to watch out you know the you know what the feed pile is like you got all these sticks pointing in different directions jamming yep. out so you just got to find a spot where you don't have too much interference to set set your 330 and make a few put a few guide sticks uh, on either side of it oh that's awesome yeah there's uh this place i'm at now has a couple feed piles uh i can definitely do that um yeah, I, I went out and checked out this property, and this is another example of me just kind of stumbling backwards into a good situation. Uh, one of my coworkers' friend's sons is a avid bass fisherman. And yeah, so this is the, the kid you're mentoring? Uh, no, different kid. Different kid, okay, good. We'll yeah. get into that one in a minute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know it's a lot to keep up with. It's like... I could, I know I could talk the ears off a wooden Indian, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. So anyway, I, this kid who fishes these bass ponds that are stocked by this landowner, this landowner basically made millions of dollars installing cable television in California in like the nineties or something, moved back here to Western North Carolina and built this, like these huge, it's like 10 ponds and each one is like slowly less elevated than the previous. So they all flow into each other. Uh, Wildlife resources commission has put duck boxes there. There's resident geese there. I mean, it's just, it's perfect habitat for anything that lives in the water. And um, this kid fishes these ponds and he happened to be at a holiday gathering that I was at and, uh, he was telling me, oh, I heard you fish and stuff, so we were talking back and forth. He starts telling me about how these beavers are, are all set up in these ponds and stuff. Long story short, he gets me permission to go out there and trap. Awesome. So so I go out there, I see these lodges, I'm like in awe, you know, thinking, <laughs> I'm having visions of grandeur, and... uh I went down to the general store and bought every 330 that they had, and I I made sets till you couldn't make sets anymore. And I checked empty sets for a week and realized that these things were probably trap shy. Um, so I said, okay, no Sounds problem. Sounds like you got a lot of that going on. Yeah. Do you need a license yeah, to trap for beaver there? If Like if you're a landowner? The, the way the regulations read... I would I would feel that you do. Um, I've definitely talked to people that have said they've tried and been pretty confident that they didn't have a license. Yeah, because when you have that situation, a lot of times you you tend to get educated beavers because the landowners are are just constantly getting after them and 
might be the only beavers they've tried to trap in, in the last 20 years. All right. Well, well, I ended up getting confirmation from the landowner that a guy had previously tried to trap them without much success. That's the way he put it. Um, so whether the guy who they had trapping was even a licensed trapper, I don't know. But um, so I figured, okay, no big deal. I'll pull all the 330s and I'll make drowner sets and snares. And the only sets that I had any activity at were footholds that were on drowners that were blind sets where I didn't do a good job of putting the, the trap in the right place and they probably hit it with their chest and fired off. But even the snares, anything that had any kind of caster or anything that I put out, they wouldn't go near it. Wow, and, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I reached out uh, to another guy who's kind of mentored me. and uh, He's been trapping since he's nine, and he's like in his 50s, and the guy's just a machine. Uh, a couple years ago, He's a couple hours east of me. A couple years ago, he caught like 1,048 beaver in one year. Jeez. Yeah, the guy's an animal. But uh, I reached out to him, and I'm like, you know, this is probably a stupid question. And I was like, but can beavers be caster shy? And he was like, yep, absolutely. He's like, I know it's counterintuitive. It sounds counterintuitive. But uh, he's like, yeah, they definitely can, and especially if the previous trapper was – heavy on using caster and all his sets he's like the best thing you can do is uh pull your sets for a week or two and make them think you're not there and then go back in and start blind setting and um so i got really fortunate because in the interim um this landowner he's gotten like nicer by the week which i wasn't expecting <laughs> he, he was a nice guy to be able guy but yes he yeah, the, the cable guy, we'll call him. Uh, <laughs> no affiliation to the movie, so nobody tries to sue you on here. But he, uh, he, he, His name isn't Larry. No. No. Fortunately not. Uh, oh, that's funny. Now, now I've got derailed here. Uh, <laughs> he's getting nicer. Yes, he's gotten nicer. Um, when he first asked me to trap, like I very much got the impression that it's like, I want you to get these beavers and get them out of here and they're tearing everything up and they've chewed down trees that have been here since I was a little kid and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was like two days in, he calls me and he was like, so let me ask you something. Have you caught any beavers yet? And I wasn't about to tell him that I've already determined their trap shy because it had only been two days anyway. I said, no, not not yet, but it's not it's not uncommon to not catch them right away. And he's like, well, how's the fur market right now? <laughs> and that's <I'm> like, great. <laughs> and I, I said, sir, I said, I don't know if that's a loaded question. I said, uh, it's not as good as it once was. I said, but uh, it's still in existence, if that helps. He said, well, I tell you what. He said, I don't want you out there wasting your time feeling like you've just got to be out there catching beaver." He said, you know the regulations, you know the fur bears that you can catch. He said, how about you try to catch some beaver, and in the meantime, you catch anything that you want to catch. And I was like, you know, stunned because I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, yeah, if you're, if you're good with that, I'd love to. 
And uh, so was this your first foray into uh, land trapping? No, I had uh, I had caught four red fox last year trying to catch coyotes in very quick succession. I caught four red fox in like a week and a half, and it was dude. I had only I had only made four sets, and I caught foxes in every <laughs> one of them. Nice, but uh, last year in my county, it was illegal to uh, keep red fox. That has since been changed. So once I land trap this year, if I catch any, I'll be allowed to keep them. Okay, so you released those guys. Okay. Yeah. Now you told me a while back not to derail you too much, but uh, oh, you're good. You had you had said something about going to the commissioners, the county commissioners, to uh, advocate for fox trapping, and it a lot of people probably don't realize this because your state is pretty unique in that counties control. Counties have some authority on trapping as opposed to, you know, most other states, it's the state that, that governs trapping. Yep. Yep, you're exactly right. Um, basically, the issue was is that of all the fur bears that were, uh, all the fur bear populations and species were under the jurisdiction of North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, um, except for fox. Fox was a a county government issue, and any idea where that came from? Where that? Came yeah, from? Well, we we know exactly where it came from. Um, I want to make a disclaimer on that too. Uh, I've got some great friends who are houndsmen that are you know they hunt bears with hounds, they hunt coons with hounds, um, rabbits, anything in between, and. Uh, Actually, one of the guys that mentored me with trapping and sold me a lot of my first traps is a guy who he sold me all his traps because he wanted to help me out and gave me a good deal because he wanted to pursue hunting with his dogs. And uh, so he's very supportive of trapping. He's a huge advocate of it. But basically, it was like some really archaic stuff where uh, I don't know if it was 40, 50 years ago or something. At some point, there was a there was some kind of disagreement between trappers and houndsmen regarding foxes, and um, basically, what happened is some some political people's pockets got lined to keep the fox harvesting in the favor of the houndsmen, not okay. the trappers. This was back sense. when there were a lot of trappers and houndsmen out, and the the fur was actually worth something. Correct. Exactly. And uh, so that that was the issue. Um, now, I can't take too much credit for getting that changed. Um, there was a lot of people that gave me information, and I was sent stuff by biologists. And uh, I kind of broke the ice with the county commissioners, but due to stuff I had going on, there was other trappers and guys from the Trapping Association that actually sealed the deal and uh, put the nail in the coffin and got us a season again. Nice. Yeah. So this year you can keep them. Yes, sir. That's right. All right. So back to the cable guy. <laughs> yeah. So Larry, the cable guy, uh, he said, he basically contacted me and said, Hey, if you want to trap and you know, you're into trapping, I'm not expecting you to just be out here 
trying to catch these beaver for me and not focus on anything else. He said, there's a ton of stuff out here. He said, I've got no problem with it. And, um, and the other thing he said, which has been a huge relief since I found out that these things are pretty educated beaver is that he said, I just wanted to let you know, he said, if you catch two or three and you can't get rid of them or whatever, he said, I'm fine with that too. He said, anything you do helps me out and anything that you catch helps you out. So I'm good with that. <laughs> so he's been, he's been really, really nice. He's been a great guy. Um, and, uh, so as soon as he told me that, you know, I, I loaded up everything I had in the trap shed and went out there, um, started setting for muskrat, started setting for mink, which these mink are a lot smarter than the mink I caught last year, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, the, the highlight I think so far regarding what I've been catching, I mean, I, no matter what I catch, I'm happy with it. You know how it is. It's the sure. being out there is what's important, but catching something just makes it makes it a little better. But um, I ended up catching my first otter, and uh, I was intentionally trying to catch that otter, which made it better. Um, I've got a I've got a ten year old lab mix, and. Uh, He's the type of dog that he'll wake up in the morning, you feed him, he goes outside, does what he needs to do, and he'll come inside and sleep on the couch all day and never get up until it's dinner time. <laughs> and uh, I figured, you know what, like, it's not fair. Maybe I should be more involved with keeping him active. Let me start taking him with me. And lo and behold, this dog is like a tracking machine as far as, uh, as, far as animals are concerned. Is that him in the and, background? Yeah, did you hear him? Yeah. Yeah, he, he knew he knew you were talking about him. He no, no, all jokes aside, if he hears me say the word trapping, he starts howling <laughs> and going crazy. He probably heard, I'm not kidding, he probably heard me. Um but I took him with me and it was like he would go over to all the fresh beaver slides, he was finding all the caster mounds, he was finding all the coon trails and uh he ends up like running out into the middle of this beaver pond and I'm getting all upset about it. Cause I think he's going to, you know, hurt himself or something. And he goes over to this one spot and he just starts howling. And I go over there and there's just a huge otter toilet covered in fish scales. And, uh, I had never seen one before. People had always told me what they were, what to look out for, but I had never seen one. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to, set some traps here and uh, sure enough I caught my first otter and uh, just the other day 12 days later since I caught that female uh, in the same exact blind set I caught the male sweet yeah and otter I you know I told a guy that uh, I told a guy who kind of mentors me I told him that I really enjoy skinning otters and he told me that there must be something wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was like he's like by far they've got some of my favorite fur he was like but why in god's name would you enjoy skinning them <laughs> yeah and i i just told him i said you know muskrats if you pull on them too much you you can rip the belly open i said beavers are just a chore no matter how you cut it at least they are to me um i don't know what it is i just I guess otter is the one thing I found that 
I've gotten somewhat good at doing compared to the other two. The thing I hate about otter, which I don't think they're that bad, but they're they're wicked greasy when you you know they're they, pe- uh-huh. they peel a little hard, and then the worst thing is once you get them all skinned and you get them fleshed, you still get to do the tail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you get to pin that tail out, and and uh, yeah, it's it's work, but it's fun. Boy, I and I and I don't know as any of us catch a whole pile of otters. You know, I probably catch an otter for every ten beaver. So uh, right it, when I get one, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where I was like, okay, the dog found the sign for me. The sign's here. I just need to set on it and. You know, still being a relatively new trapper, you always have that doubt in your mind of, well, I'll put this here, and even if I make it perfect, I'll never catch anything in this. <laughs> and so the first time I caught one, and it was a pretty decent size one, I was, like, dumbfounded. And then when I reset it, I thought, well, there's no way I'll catch another one. And uh, it was really cool because we checked traps the other night, and I had my little trapping partner with me, and he was hooting and hollering and jumping around and, splashing around and he thought it was the best thing ever so it was it was great so so you were the youngest trapper in the county probably and uh now it sounds like there's uh someone that's beat you beat beat you out to that yeah he's he's got me beat by 20 years (laughs) um i'm 33 and he's 13 uh it's a pretty it's a pretty beautiful story um I'll try not to get too long-winded with it. Um, I guess I should say this first. Uh, so that original guy that I tried to trap beaver for where the dam blew out and there was no beaver, and then he turned me on to his father-in-law, that guy is now my boss. Okay. Um, the father-in-law? And, uh, no, the, the, the original guy, okay, landowner. Yeah, the father-in-law was the old, old, old-timer. Correct. Gotcha. His son-in-law is now my boss. Right on. Um, I was kind of in between jobs. Um, well, I wasn't in between jobs. I was working a job I wasn't happy with. I ended up telling the father-in-law about it. And, you know, this guy was always a matter of fact about everything, whether he was saying something nice or whether he was saying something offensive. It just it was always a matter <laughs> of fact. Yeah. And he just says, oh, just, just call my son-in-law. He'll give you a job. And I'm like, well, Does you know, what that do? way? <laughs> Uh, yeah and i'm like well, what do they do for a living and he tells me i'm like well, i don't really have experience with that he's like don't matter all you need to do is just tell him you need a job he'll give you a job and about two months later i was at my wits end with the job i was in and i call this guy and i say hey i know this is gonna sound crazy i don't know how to do anything you guys do but you know mr lionel told me to give you a call and he's like oh yeah sure i'll give you a job so he's currently my employer to this day and uh, his brother lives right down the road from me. And his brother has recently adopted a 13-year-old kid. Um, and I won't air that kid's dirty laundry because that's his story and not mine. But I'll tell you, you couldn't pay me to go through the things that that kid went through. And I, you know, I've already told you that I've been through some stuff. But this kid has been through everything I've been through tenfold. And um, essentially, the stars aligned to where my coworker ended up crossing paths with this kid. And 
ended up adopting them. And I see, I see a lot of myself in this kid, and I mean it in a good way, to where he's 13 years old, but sometimes when you're having a conversation with him, you feel like you're talking to somebody your own age. Yeah. He's, he's super engaged. He's always thinking. And just the one day I thought, I thought, God, I, I feel like this kid's got the, the brain of a trapper. He just doesn't know it. Because he's always thinking and asking questions and analyzing stuff and figuring it out. So on a total whim, I said to my coworker, hey, would you mind if I took your son out trapping with me? He might enjoy it. I can always use the help. It'll be, it'll be cool. And, you know, my to be 100% honest, I honestly expected it. The kid is such a sweet kid. I expected him to agree to go in order to be nice and not say no to me. Yeah. And I figured I'd take him and I'd never hear about it again. It would be fine. We'd go about our business. And uh, I took him the first time and they live five minutes down the road from me. And after the first time I took him, I dropped him off at his house. And before I could get back to my house, he texted me and said, hey, what time are you picking me up tomorrow? <laughs> and I thought, well, I guess we'll see where this goes. Guess he guess he did have a little bit of trapper in him. Yeah, he's got a whole lot of trapper in him, man. He, uh, I mean, he, with permission from his dad, you know, we're checking traps during school days and everything. He, you know, he's... He's into it. He's he skinned his own muskrats out. I mean, it's been it's been awesome. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, would he would he happen to take a size medium T-shirt? I think he would. You suppose he'd wear one of those got skunked Cotsbros shirts? Oh, he would love that. All right, we'll get uh, email me his address and we'll send that. I got one here on the shelf. Okay, awesome, man. I appreciate That'd you. Be cool. So, so that's uh, that's you see, you, you know, you hear that a lot of guys get into trapping, and and it, it takes, you know, after a few years, they want to want to help other trap other people get into it and stuff. But uh, you don't waste any time, do you? No, <laughs> no. It was, yeah, dude. It was, it was just one of those things where because I, you know, I've. My, you know, I got to say this, like, uh, my family, my, my younger brother, he's a couple years younger and, uh, my mom and dad, you know, they're not hunters, they're not trappers, they're not fishermen. Uh, they live hours away. My brother lives on the other side of the country, but they're very supportive of what I do. And, uh, you know, mom and dad ate, mom and dad came down for Thanksgiving and they, they ate some beaver meat that I had made and slow cooker and they were all about it um but i tell my mom and dad all the time that i think that uh there's a huge disconnect with kids to where you know and i i saw it a lot growing up because if i if i look at all the kids that were doing all this outdoor stuff as kids and as they got older most of those kids didn't take the same road that i took Right. Some right. of them did, but we were the minority. Yeah. And I think it's super important to get kids in touch with the outdoors on any capacity. But what I've seen and what I've learned 
you know, I think the biggest thing is if you take a kid who's 12 or 13 and teach them how to hunt or teach them how to fish or teach them how to trap, the learning curve is so fast for someone who's younger. Yeah, their brains work quick. Yeah. And they can remember things, retain them, and, yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm seeing oh, yeah. I'm just seeing it with my kids, and they're, you know, four and six. But, you know, their their brains are way faster than mine. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, you can you can kind of say something off the cuff that, like, you're almost saying to yourself, like, I'll say something out loud about, well, I better not set this here because of regulations, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying it for myself more than anything, not even thinking about the fact that he's there with me. And then three days later, we find ourselves in the same situation. And I'll say, hey, I'll say, hey, I know, we should probably not set this trap here. And he'll say, well, yeah, I know, because the regulation says blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like they pick up on stuff even when you don't know that they are. Yeah. So, th- so this young fella, you know, you're, you're thinking you can help him avoid a lot of the dark stuff that you had to go through uh, when you were his age um, and, and get him on the right track here. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly hope so, and I don't, you know, I don't try to play God, and I don't, I don't think I have any special kind of power, but you know, um, I just feel like kids that uh that have the opportunity to do this outdoor stuff, it gives them, it gives them an alternative to like going and getting in trouble and doing all the other stuff that you know people are known to do. Um, I remember my best friend who originally got me into the outdoors that I talked about in the interview. I remember he had said to me, he said, you know, man, I've thought about it. And, and he has his own story with some hellacious events that I don't envy at all. And he had said to me, uh, he said, you know, man, I've thought a lot about why I never went down the same road that you did. And he said, I really think a big part of it was being an outdoorsman. He said, because when you have these choices to make, and some are good and some are bad, he said, when you know what that feeling is to go out and kill a deer or go out and catch a fish or go out and catch a beaver, whatever it might be, he said, that stuff is always in your mind, whether it's in the back of your mind or the forefront. And he said, there was a lot of times where I could have made really bad decisions and I didn't, and my reasoning was, well, I'm not going to be a proficient deer hunter if I start doing that. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to want to wake up before school to go, you know, track an animal if I do that. And that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, develops into a priority in your life that, uh, you know, a lot of the things I think that get us off track in life are, are just... Uh, you know, decisions that we make because there's empty holes to be filled. And, yeah, exactly. And when you've got traps to check first thing in the morning, and then you've got a job to go to, you don't have time to mess around with with, with no. all that stuff. You're exactly right. And i i told my I told my dad one day. He said, he said, you know, I'm super supportive. You know, my dad's the type of guy where, like, you know, I tell him I'm on beaver trapping and he's like online like reading up on the fur market <laughs> the other the other day you know he's he's telling me about how there's this like niche market for these 
hats that these Jewish rabbis wear, and a beaver <laughs> fur. Yep. We could, we could be making millions yeah. and all this, but but that's because he cares, you know. Yeah. And uh, and just the other day he texted me, and I I I'm glad I remembered to bring this up because I thought you would get fired up about it. But he texts me out of nowhere, and he goes, wow, I just found this really good website that I think more people need to see. And I said, well, what is it? And it was the, the Truth About Fur website. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think if more people saw this, they wouldn't even feel the way they feel about trapping. And I, I totally agree. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. But anyway, I was talking to Dad, and he says to me, you know, he says, I'm 100% supportive of you doing whatever you're doing if it's you know, keeping you on the right track and making you a better person. He said, what do you think it is that, you know, with trapping and hunting and fishing, but mostly trapping, because that's really what I, you know, obsessed on. Uh, he said, what do you think it is that, that keeps you in that, you know, positive pattern of thinking and behavior? I told him the outdoors has taught me one thing that I was ever, never able to learn or listen to anybody else about my whole life. And that's personal responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and, wh- and whether that's following regulations or whether that's making ethical decisions about how to dispatch an animal, all that stuff. Those are just concepts that I would have never been exposed to, you know? And yeah. it's, it's like, you, like you said, if you can, no matter what you've been through, in your life, if you can get up and check traps at four o'clock in the morning when it's, you know, 20 degrees out and there's sleet and snow coming down and you're about to be waist deep or chest deep in a beaver pond, if you can do that, you can convince yourself to wake up at six o'clock and go to a job. Yeah. Yeah. You can convince yourself to you know, stop and get gas on the way home even though you've got enough to get it home on empty it's like all this it keeps you in check i'm like well why don't i just do what i need to do now and i don't have to worry about it later and what do you think about this i'm I'm just just running around my head so so you were out there in the woods and you know they always say that freedom uh freedom comes with responsibility so yes you're out there and there's really you know you look over your shoulder there's nobody watching you um, you're free to do what you want, but you also have uh, responsibility to do do the right thing or to uh, do what you need to do to achieve uh, what you're trying to get at, whether it's uh, trap a beaver or uh, you know fix this problem for a landowner or whatever. So j- maybe just that that whole idea of getting out into an environment that like the mountain man experienced where you have, uh, you're outside of you know the 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 boundaries that modern day society has, and and it's kind of up to you, and you have that responsibility. It kind of put I don't know. It feels like it puts a little bit more weight on a person to uh, to be more responsible for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I you know I wholeheartedly agree because it's like uh, it's like the whole thing about doing the right thing when nobody's watching, you know, and. Uh, yeah, you, you make a great point. I don't even, I don't know how much I could even add to that other than, like, it's like something that Trappin has taught me that I never had in my life prior. It was like, 
if I did stuff wrong growing up and in all the exploits and all the stuff I was doing, I wasn't even really concerned that I did something wrong as much as people finding out that I did something wrong and then how they would view me as a result. Sure. Whereas as an outdoor as an outdoorsman, it's like I want to do the right thing because I want to do the right thing. God damn it. You know, like, because right. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that nobody else is around. If I, you know, if I take a bad shot or on an animal or I make an illegal set or I do something that I'm not supposed to be doing, like I'm still going to know about it. And that's not something I want to live with. And, um, I, I've made numerous mistakes just out of ignorance and, you know, but I've, I've never, since I've started trapping, I've never said to myself, this is totally wrong and I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because it might pay off and I might catch an animal. And that's been the big difference. You know, it's, it's helped me adjust my moral compass, if that makes sense. It does, absolutely. So what's next for Chris? Well, uh, me and me and my little buddy, we went out there and we pulled all our we pulled all our sets today because we've got we're sitting at like sixty some degrees right now. Wow. Um, we've got full moon that's faint, kind of phasing out. Um, we've got a lot of rain ahead of us, and uh, honestly, I'm just a little bit worn down because me and him have just been running, 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 and you know I. I work long hours with my job and like you said, with that personal responsibility, you know, mother nature and the traffic regulations don't give a crap how many hours you had to work and what time you get home or sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter when you've got to check those traps. You got to check those traps. When you've got to skin something to avoid spoilage, you've got to do it. And, uh, we've been going really hard and, uh, with the incoming weather and me wanting to, make some adjustments on our trap lines and swap out some traps and stuff. I made a deal with him. I said, Hey, here's what we're going to do. Cause here's the thing. If I don't tell him, he'll just keep going and going and going. Yeah. He, as long as I tell him I'm picking you up, he's going to go. He doesn't care. He's, he's all about it. And, and this is outside of him being a full time student and he's on the wrestling team. So, I don't really have any excuse because he's just as busy as me. <laughs> um, but I said, hey, let's take a break. Let's pull everything. Let's work on some traps. Let's adjust some stuff. Uh, I've got to order in for some some new predator traps. So basically, we're going to take this week off. And uh, if all goes well, this upcoming Saturday, uh, we're going to set heavy for otter we're going to start trying to snare snare beavers and blind sets and maybe set some footholds for beavers. Um, we're going to keep going after muskrats because we've been doing good on them. Uh, we're going to put some more DPs out. Uh, we put two dog-proof traps out, and within three days we caught him his first coon and it ended up being a triple-X coon. Um he was really fired up about that. He took care of the dispatch. He did, he did everything. So we'd like to catch a couple more coon and, uh, then we're going to try to start catching some coyotes. 
That's good. So it's good. It's always good to take a break and re-energize and resupply and, and get back at it. So, uh, yeah. Well, hey, Chris, this was awesome. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Anything else you want to talk about or mention? Honestly, I'm just relieved that I was able to regurgitate all this in under four <laughs> hours. I thought I was going to hold you hostage here. and You're going to have to do like a six-part miniseries. I was feeling kind of bad about it, but, you know, it's like <laughs> – uh, my uh, my fiance, like I said, she's a she's a godsend, and she always she always picks fun of me, saying that I never get too excited about anything. But you know, as me and you both know, you get me talking about trapping, and I don't know when to shut up. But um, uh, really, man, I just I would hope that anything that somebody could take away from this is uh. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of programs and doctors and psychologists and medications that people use to seek help and make themselves better. And I don't I don't discredit any of them, but uh, you know, I would I would strongly recommend that people don't rule out you know the great outdoors. Yeah, because uh, you know the stuff we're doing not only did it help build this country, but you know, it was a different different caliber of people back then, and people didn't have to worry about what their problems were. You know, I don't I don't say that to be insensitive towards anybody. I I say that to myself. I was always so consumed with myself and what was going on with me. When you know, the reality is, like, our country was formed on some hardcore people. You know, doing some hardcore stuff, especially in the outdoors. And, I mean, even Teddy Roosevelt, if you want to look into him. Um, that being said, I don't think people should outrule the great outdoors as a way to, you know, figure out what's wrong with them and figure out a way out of it. Yeah, and it's absolutely good medicine, I think. Absolutely. And if, and if people that are listening say, well, I don't really have anything wrong with me that I need to figure out, and, you know, more power to you i would suggest you you know find somebody that might need some help and you know take them trapping or get them to a, a free class or just just get them turned on to this stuff because I, I just don't i can't say enough about it um if well, i i said to you in the email if if it weren't for what i'm doing now i would 100 percent either be dead or in prison and i'm completely convinced of that well, if it makes you feel any better, I think all of us have a little bit wrong with us. And so trapping would help probably every one of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could. That could be a whole separate podcast if me and you went back and forth and talked about what we suspected was wrong with us. Well, and the thing is, you, you all, it seems as though you just mentioned it. People who don't have enough problems find problems. Yep. And when... Jeremiah Johnson was out there, you know, set beaver traps and looking over his shoulder, make sure he didn't have an arrow about to go through his back. Um, you know, he didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, I'm bored or what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do this evening after supper? You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's he, he exactly my point. <laughs> and, and Hey man, I don't, I'm not going to go on a whole tangent here, but that, that brings up a great point. I think, I think a lot of this stuff, it it comes from lack of stimulation yeah you know people 
people stare at TV, people, you know, give their kids smartphones and say, here, buy all the apps you want, just leave me alone. Like, it's no wonder that we end up in these predicaments. I mean, you can go outdoors and forget that a cell phone even exists. You can, for me, I can, I can go out trapping and forget that I had a bad day at work. Mm -hmm. You know, I can skin a critter and not be thinking about like my stressful schedule or these bills I got to pay. And the difference is, is that I can forget about it for a while, but because trapping has taught me responsibility that when it's time to go back into modern society and do what I need to do, I'm able to do it because, you know, trapping teaches you that responsibility. And the other the other coping mechanisms to forget about that stuff uh, makes it a lot harder to wake up in the morning. You got that right. <laughs> Absolutely. But, well, because check this out. You, you not only have regret about what you did and who you hurt in order to do those things, but you sit on those feelings all day, and by the end of the day, chances are you're going to go out and do the same thing to get, again to forget about how you feel. I've, I've never once felt like that, you know, setting a beaver trap. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that's a, that's a good perspective. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking with you about it and, um, again, great to have you on and, uh, always awesome to get emails from you and updates and questions and everything else. So thanks for that. Yeah. I greatly appreciate you, Jeremiah. You've helped me probably more than you realize. And, uh, Hopefully we'll just keep moving forward and keep doing what we do. Sounds good, Chris. All right, we'll take care and and we'll talk again. All right, brother. Take it easy. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, bye bye.